Welcome to the Fountain City Church Podcast. For message notes, weekly headlines, and past message series, make sure to check out the Fountain City Church mobile app, now available on the App Store and Google Play. We hope you enjoyed this message and have a great rest of your day. Good morning, church. I'm Gerald Lay, married to my beautiful wife, Lori. And I'm so honored to be uh, one of your elders. And I'm so thankful for the songs we sang this morning about the faithfulness of God. And he has proven himself over and over this week to me that he is faithful. We'll be reading this morning from 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you here today and good to be here. And I've got multiple waters, so I'm ready to roll, it looks like. So I hope you're ready to go as well. We'll be in second... Timothy 3 there in just a moment. We've uh, got a couple other things to look at before we get there, but that's all right. It's all good. <clears throat> Hope you guys are uh, um, uh, planning on heading up at the picnic sometime today. Um, uh, we're looking forward to that, four o'clock, and um, there'll be some good food for dinner there and all the above. You should be getting emails on that. And if you don't know anything about that, we'll be at the park at four. So just come. <clears throat> And uh, we want to see you there for sure. And so, um, Gerald, who just read, naturally, he was scheduled to uh, read this week in the 9 a.m. service. And so, last week, we were just kind of walking up to our cars at the same time. And I was talking to him, and he mentioned that he was reading this week the scripture passage. And he said something about, well, you know, I guess it's going to be in Romans chapter 12, right? And we, I laughed, and, you know, I said, well, uh, you know, I'd say you could probably count on it. <clears throat> well... Here we are in 2 Timothy today. Sometimes God just moves in one way or another to change things up a bit and to keep us all on our toes, you know? And as a reminder from last week, we need those toes, but that's all another story and we'll get there later and whatever. So some of y'all were were awake last week. And so anyways, anyways, we're still in our transformed series though. But before we head out into verse nine of Romans 12, Today, I just wanted to pause this week. Uh, well, of course, that's what I think so far. We'll, we'll, we'll see next, next time. But I, I want to pause because as I was thinking about today's message and moving on in Romans chapter 12, I came across those familiar verses that Gerald read. And I got to thinking about like last week and our gifts And what Paul, the Apostle Paul said to us in Romans 12, let us use them. And when I came across verse 17, I just kind of got stuck there in 2 Timothy 3. It says that the man of God may be, man or woman of God may be equipped completely. Let me pull back just one second. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And is there anything more to being equipped for these good works that we need to know about that would help us as we walk with our gifts, using them for the good of the church and the world and for the glory of God? 
And so before I really jump into that, I want to go back just a little more as we begin. I want to jump back to another passage of scripture, probably familiar to most of you, and, and sort of kind of let that guide and move us in the right directions. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Verse 8 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Now that sentence is, it's just one thing. It's not really broken up. It's, it's just one thing. You and I, by God's grace, his undeserved favor in our lives, we didn't do anything for it. We don't deserve it. We can't attain it on our own. But for by grace, you have been saved through faith. Notice what he says about your salvation next year. He says, and this is not your own doing. You didn't do it. You didn't make it happen. You didn't fix your life. He says, it is the gift of God. It's a simple gift from God. See, it's not your doing. It's not you finally making a good decision or finally taking control. It's not you, it's God. Look at verse nine, he goes on. Not as a result of works. Now, maybe for some of you, this blows up your theology. It's why some people come to church. It's why some people try to do good things, try to be quote unquote good people. They help the poor, the sick, others that need it because in the end, they just hope they tip the scales, their good works tip the scale enough in their favor over the bad things they've done or whatever so that they can find themselves in heaven in the end. And yet right here, Paul says, salvation is not a result of works. You and I can't work hard enough for our salvation. He goes on, it is a gift of God. Why? Verse nine says, so that no one may boast, right? No one. If it's not a work that we've done, if it's not a result of anything we've done, we can't boast in ourselves. We can't take credit at that point for it. We can't, we can only boast as the apostle Paul said in Galatians 6, 14, look at that. He says, but far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Our boasting is limited to the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. We didn't do it. We didn't deserve it. And now, as I said last week, I was talking to Christians when we talk about gifts and so forth. We're talking to Christians but I want to pull a little, more, a little bit more into this. Paul is talking to Christians here too in Ephesians chapter two as well. And look at what he says in verse 10. He says, now I just want you to know, like this is just a reminder that all of the Bible goes together. Like it's all one big story. And so I said last week, the best commentary in the Bible is what? The Bible, right? So he's, all of this stuff goes together. Anyways, verse 10 of Ephesians two. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, the Greek word for workmanship is the word we get poem from. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not that much into poems and poetry. All right, maybe you are. And, you know, maybe it's your softer, I don't know, whatever. But when I think of poetry, I can't help but to think of this. And there's two sides to it. Some rhyme and have a cool sound and feel to them. You know, there's three of those in the world maybe. 
Others don't and just seem to be some random thoughts on a line that doesn't really go together and make no sense. And then you have professors and teachers who wanna make them sound so deep and brilliant. And I'm like, you know it would've been brilliant if these people would've just gotten other jobs. Stayed away from writing some random lines on some poem on a page and try to confuse kids. That's what I say. And so needless to say, Debbie's not getting a poem for Valentine's Day. Anyways, that's some of our experiences with poetry. We have a teacher trying to explain something and tell, to, to, to sometimes make it fit into a box that just doesn't seem like it fits into, that doesn't make sense. Here's what I want you to know. That is not the idea here, okay? This is very important for us to get. We are God's workmanship. God has made something. It's like each one of us, Christian, is a special poem. One that makes perfect sense because God has perfectly designed it. And get this, it's not that we are all the same poem. It's that he has uniquely designed each and every one of us. We, you as a Christian, are God's special design, his workmanship. Why? Why would he put that much work into me or you? For a purpose. Look at verse 10 again. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works. We have people looking all the time. Oh, what's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? You and I were created for good works. And he's the only one that can make them good works. And he says what? Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God beforehand created you, Christian, and then he also prepared good works for you to do. Now, I don't want you to miss this. I wanna, what I wanna do is I wanna try to tie all of this together here for just a moment. Those, those good works, we were specially created, and according to last week, specially gifted by God for those good works. Remember what Paul said in verse six. We looked at it last week. He said, having gifts that defer according to the grace given to us. And then he said what? Let us use them. Now, even though we're one body in Christ, God has given us these different gifts. He's given us, just look around, diversity within the body of Christ. That's pretty plain to see. Some people are just interested in different things. Some of you, you're crushed that I don't like poetry today because you love poetry. There's diversity within the body. And by his grace, he's given us gifts. And we looked at some of those last week and some of you realized exactly what your gifting was. And some of you are like, I need to be using this. Praise the Lord. But here's what I want you to see once again. God specially created you, specially gifted you for good works that he has prepared for you. And both of these passages, Romans 12, 6, Paul says, let us use them. Ephesians 2, 10, we just read, Paul says that we should walk in them. He's encouraging us to understand that we were created to take our gifts and use them by doing the good works that God has prepared for us. Now, how do you and I make the most out of those gifts? Well, that's a good question because that's where I wanted to land with the rest of our time together. I want us to head back over to our text today in 2 Timothy 3. And I wanna read it one more time for you and then we'll hopefully just 
dig into it a little bit. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now we ask the question, how do you and I make the most out of those gifts? I want you to grab this today, all right? I don't want you to miss this, but I want you to get this. Scripture's from God, and it's profitable for all sorts of things. And we're gonna look at those in just a moment. But verse 17, before we get there, reminds us that the word of God is what it is that equips us for those good works that God has prepared for us to walk in. And so that's the point today. God has beforehand prepared good works and he's given us his word to equip us. And by his grace, he's given us a gift to use as we serve him and follow him. Now use them, use it. And there's also one huge aspect of this that I'm, I'm really not getting into much today and, and maybe that needs to be the next message, so I don't know, but anyways. But he's also provided for us a helper, the Holy Spirit, to go along with all of this other stuff. And so we've got to remember that as well. Anyway, anyways, I hope that you see in all of this that God has set us up, like Christian, God has set you up for success in the Christian life. Like he's given you what you need. And yet many times, many of us are what? We're just down, we're frustrated. You know, many Christians, I know I'm like, golly, you have to be eating a lemon right now. Like, cause when I look at you, I think I wanna hurt myself. Like, but yet we're supposed to be living an abundant life. He's come to give us an abundant life and we look like we're sucking on a lemon. Like, right? Yeah, we do many times. But God, in his grace and kindness and mercy, he's given you everything you need to live an abundant life. Like, I think the more I look at his word and the more I just studying this, the more I'm like, I think that it's a whole lot easier than we want to make it out to be. God is the sinner. He's done the work so that you and I would be created, equipped, prepared for exactly what he wants us to do. And in the end, he says, stay in my word and follow me. And I, I, I can't help but to believe that our biggest issue is going back to one of the first sermons we, we had in the Transformed, ser Transformed series is just being living sacrifices. Just, just giving ourselves over to God to say, whatever you want, Lord. Like, yeah, I'll go to Africa if that's what you want me to do. Yeah, I'll quit my job and I'll move to wherever you, I'll do whatever you want me to do, God, because I'm a living sacrifice for you and your, your point, your purposes. And, and we'll probably see a little bit more of that as we go through here. But anyways, that, that all brings us to this reality. I read a blog by Sam Rayner this week. It just ran across my desk and in it he said this. He said, a national research study revealed something remarkable. The number one way people grow spiritually is daily Bible reading. But only 35% of active church goers study their Bibles at least once a week. 
A national research study revealed the number one way people grow spiritually is daily Bible reading, but only 35% of active churchgoers study their Bibles at least once a week. Now, if I were to go around the room today and ask something like, um, do you want to know God more? Or do you want to be a better follower of Jesus? Or do you want a, a better spiritual life and grow in your walk with Jesus? I, I think if you're a genuine Christian in this room, you're going to answer that question, yes, yes. I absolutely want that for my life. But then when I say only 35% of active churchgoers study their Bibles at least once a week, once a week, that makes no sense, does it? Why, why is that? Why would we say, yes, I want to know God and have a better spiritual life, but I don't spend time in the Bible, spend time in the word of God on a regular basis. I'll come to worship regularly. I'll serve God in some manner. I mean, I'll even listen to some Christian music or a podcast every now and then, but I, but I won't read the word of God daily. Rainer said that this study proves reading your Bible is the best, best path to spiritual maturity. So the best, best next step for each and every Christian is to open your Bible daily and read God's word. That's it. Like, I agree. Amen. He's correct. But why don't we do it? Why? Well, there's a few articles and blogs written on this, like four million. <laughs> and uh, I was surprised at how many that I, I just doing a little research. They're everywhere. And so uh, I just want to highlight a few of the answers that were like everywhere, kind of. One of them is a lack of understanding. It's, it's too hard. <clears throat> the Bible can be difficult to understand, but I don't think this is the case for everyone, but it is for some. So, so what do you do? Look, like if you really wanna know God, then you figure something out, right? Like you, 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 you do something. I wanna say there's a ton of good helps out there, but I'd first recommend just finding another Christian and ask them for help. Ask if they read and understand their Bible daily. Ask them if, they, if they'll help you understand yours. It can be a friend, a spouse, a parent, anyone who believes the Bible to be the word of God, absolute truth. And let me say, almost to any, anyone who loves and follows Jesus, man, they will be excited to help you in this way, to be available to you, to ask questions and to point you in a, in a helpful way all the time. And one of the things that we would quickly recommend to uh, just anyone that's just becoming a Christian is just to grab a study Bible. You can pick one of these up in the church office, just probably just about any time. And now I say that, I'm sure we're probably out, but nevertheless, uh, you can come by and we'll you know, make sure you can get one. <clears throat> but um, that's something we would suggest. But man, another Christian who loves God and loves the word of God, they'd be glad to walk with you through that, just help you. The second one is sin in our lives. We really don't wanna know what the Bible says at times because we do not wanna be convicted or confronted with the truth, right? I mean, that's, that's really true. We know ourselves and we have some sort of fear of what we might find in the Bible. And as we begin to study and dig in, it might say something that just really conflicts with, you know, it's a conflict of, with sin in my life and the way we're currently living and what we're currently doing and we don't really wanna hear about it. Number three, laziness or lack of discipline. And just thinking about this, anything worthwhile is gonna take some sort of level of discipline in our lives, it really is. 
Things don't just happen because you think about them, right? They don't. You have to act upon it. And I'd say, you know, start by just agreeing with and praying 2 Timothy 1.7 for yourself. 2 Timothy 1.7, look at it. It says this, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. That's the spirit of God living inside of you and me. Ask him to give you the needed self-discipline to read the Bible daily. That's, that's what the Bible says, so just pray it for yourself and ask him. And then, you know, I heard someone say, <clears throat> I don't read my Bible every day, and somebody said, will you pray that God will just get me up and get me out of bed and help me to read my Bible every day? <clears throat> and they're like, here's what I'll do. If you set your alarm for the time you need to get up, and if you put your first foot on the floor, I'll pray that God moves your second foot and put it on the floor. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. Like, what are you willing to do? Is it a priority? Is it something, you know, that, that we need? That's the, the spirit of God's actually living in him, in you. Ask God to help you with this. Number four, I said priority, but number four, it's not a priority in our lives. Really in all the busyness that's going around, all, all around us and in our lives, reading our Bible is normally the first thing to go out the window if we're just honest. If, you know, if we just, we're honest about it. It moves from, I wanna do it to, I don't have time. I have all this other stuff to do. I'd rather look at social media and my phone for a while. It moves down our list of priorities many times to the bottom. And here's the deal. Someone, I read this this week, somebody said, <clears throat> you know, everyone has time to read 10 minutes a day. Everyone has 10 minutes a day they can give. And if you don't think you can set aside 10 minutes a day, then the issue isn't really a matter of time, but of desire, priority. And let me just say, as I thought about this, I believe, as I thought about this, I'm like, Lord, I believe our time, our resources with time and money are similar with this. Like if you give God the first 10% of, of, of just tithe back to him, I believe he's gonna make the 90% go further. If you give God time in the morning, he can make the rest of your day more productive than you thought it could ever be. I read this earlier this week by Carrie Armentrot. She said this, she said, you're missing out on the single most rewarding piece of humanity, your ability to connect your soul to God. Yes, we human beings can accomplish a lot on our own. We can dig deep and find strength, but there is something even richer. Your soul ponders things like, is there more? Or what's the point and why? These answers are found in the Bible. Your soul longs for competition, unconditional love and peace. You can dismiss the Bible and say, all I need I can find within myself. This is the beauty of God. He gives you free choice to do that. But I'm here to tell you, the way I would tell a friend who, could look squarely, who I could look squarely in the eye with, and with love and certainty say to you, there is more. Yes, that's right. There's more. Yeah. Like, it's like we're missing out. There's more. And, and as I was thinking about all these things, I was talking about, remember Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and then worry about all the other stuff. <clears throat> all right, let's jump into verse 16. If we're gonna be complete, 
equipped for every good work. What is the word of God good for? All right, 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All right, the first thing I want to see here is that all scripture is from God. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I do want to spend a moment or two here because this is foundational for what we do and why we do it. So I didn't just want to gla- gla- uh, you know, glance over it. So there's a couple of things I want you to see here. The text says all scripture is breathed out by God. Well, what does that mean? Some translations say God breathed, right? I mean, it doesn't help much, Donnie. You're right. I get that. Now, you and I, we, we would call this the doctrine of the inspiration of Scripture, and it's vitally important. Now, hopefully you aren't surprised that we believe the Bible to be the inspired Word of God, all of it to be true, all of it to be trustworthy, all of it to be without error. When I say all, that means all of it. There's no pick and choose, and we'll get to that in a minute. But when we think of inspired or inspired work, inspired writing, or something like that. We use that term a little differently than what we mean when we talk about it concerning the Bible. When we say um, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning played inspired in the ball game the other night, uh, we just mean they kind of took it to another level or maybe something motivated them a little more or they looked a little better, sharper, crisper than normally. When we say that the Bible is the inspired word of God, I love how Warren Wearsby says this. It's a little long, but very good. This is what he says. He says, the Holy Spirit of God used men of God to write the word of God. The Spirit did not erase the natural characteristics of the writers. In fact, God in his providence prepared the writers for the task of writing the scriptures. Each writer has his own distinctive style and vocabulary. Each book of the Bible grew out of a special set of circumstances. In his preparation of men, in his guiding of history, and in his working through the Spirit, God brought about the miracle of the Scriptures. And so he says, whatever the Bible says about itself, man, God, life, death, history, science, and every other subject is true. Now, I would say to that, so many things, if you, would, would, if you really did some research on this, science is one of those things where, um, or history is one of those areas where sometimes it takes the world a little time to catch up to the Bible. And so sooner or later, the world will catch up to the Bible and then prove the Bible to be true. But we know it's true anyways, whether the world agrees with it or whether they don't agree with it. And here's the thing, I said this a moment ago, if it's not all true, then how do we pick which part's true and which part's not true? I mean, you can't do that. It's either all or nothing. It's not true just because you agree with it and you like it. Like that doesn't have anything to do with it, right? It's not true because it fits the way you live your life or it's not not true because it fits you. uh, You know, this is, you know, this is, I don't believe this part of the Bible because, you know, I, I live my life that way. No, that's, that's not what makes it true or not because you think it's true or because I think it's true or because my life fits with it or your life fits with it. That doesn't have anything to do with it. Once again, I'll, I'll give you, uh, you know, maybe your favorite illustration and I hope you aren't having brownies for lunch and Debbie loves bathroom humor so whenever I get a chance to throw it in, you know. Anyways, <clears throat> If I were to make brownies for lunch and I made 99.9% of them out of brownie mix and everything that goes into it, but of that, that 0.1%, that last little part, I went outside and grabbed some of my dog's poop and I just put just a little bit into the brownies. 
and I made them and I brought them to church this morning and I offered you one. Now, are you gonna take it? No, not at all, why not? Because it's contaminated, it's no good. That one little bit of poop contaminates the whole thing and you can't just pick out the bad part, the part you don't like, the part you don't wanna eat and the rest of it's gonna be all right. You, you, you can't do that. You're like, the whole thing's contaminated and that, that's just not how it works and it's the same way with the word of God. Listen, it's either all the word of God, it's all true, it's all without error or it's contaminated. And if it's contaminated, then we don't want it. Look, it's, the Bible's either true or not. You can't pick and choose. You, you just can't. Our job is just what? To obey, to trust God, to trust that he's got it. He's got us. Now, the second thing I want you to see in verse 16 is that he gives us four things here that the scripture says is profitable for. What, what, what is the scripture actually good for? What is it? Warren Wearsby outlines these four things I'm about to share this way. And I really like this because it's like, I think it kind of gets everything. He says, what is right, what is not right, how to get right and how to stay right. Now that pretty much sums it all up right there. All right, so there you have it. <clears throat> Number one, teaching or doctrine, what is right. We use the Bible for this all the time. We can learn about God, about ourselves, about God's plan in the world, about the end times, about the here and now, about purpose and so much more. Knowledge is good, it, it can help. But knowledge alone can puff us up, make us think we're more than we actually are. And knowledge in itself does nothing. Now for you and me, we teach to move us to, to action actually. And hopefully that is, as we leave today, worshiping and thanking God for his word. Thanking God for the gift that he's given us for so many different things, but it moves us to follow him and to worship him. The second thing, reproof, what is not right. This is also translated as conviction. If you remember, this was one of the reasons people didn't wanna read their Bible. They didn't wanna be convicted. Paul says to Timothy and to us, reproof, conviction, it's helpful. It's profitable for us. Conviction is profitable for us in our lives. Number three, correction, how to, get, how to get right. Now this word's interesting, it means to straighten. We have five kids and over the years, um, lots of experiences with braces. I mean, just, you know, Trey was our worst. And so when, we, 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 when he went to get braces, he couldn't get them because they had to put this thing in the roof of his mouth and around a couple of teeth and you had to twist it to stretch the roof of his mouth or even break it, I don't know, before they could even start with the braces on his teeth. So we would turn this thing and that would help straighten it out. And it was, I think that thing was in there for about a year. But that piece corrected or straightened down his mouth and was very, very helpful for what we were trying to do. As you think about kids and orthodontists, you know, one of the things that happens is you, you spend thousands of dollars and you make trips to the orthodontist, what seems to like to be every single week. <clears throat> and everything will be perfect. Things are going so well. The kid is done, you've paid him off, right? Teeth look great, feel great, it's all good. Now from the parent's perspective, you assume they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're wearing their retainer every night. But in reality, they aren't. And what happens, their teeth start to move and get off track. 
There, there needs to be what? Some correction again. So what do they do? They start to put their retainer back in at night to put them on the right track if they care and straighten their teeth up again. They're trying to what? Correct the problem. Look, that's what the word of God does for us as well. See, it's not always us getting off track. It could be we're walking with God. We see something in his word that needs correction in our lives. And we, and we straighten that area of our lives out with the help of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. But also when we get off track and start doing something we shouldn't or stop doing something that we should be doing, we, 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 we gotta put the retainer back in. We gotta maybe spend more time in the word of God and it helps us. And here's the thing, when you haven't had that retainer in for two months and you put it back in to try to correct what you're seeing and what's going wrong and all the things that are involved, it hurts to wear it. So it is with the word of God. Sometimes correction's difficult, it hurts. But it's good, it's needed. And it puts us right where we really wanna be if we're a genuine Christian. And then lastly, training or instruction in righteousness how to stay right. This one's pretty interesting because as I was studying, I came across this idea a few times. It's the idea that it's um, childlike or child training, if you will. And so as parents, what do we do? We walk with our kids. We talk to them. We try to teach them along the way. We train them in the right way because we really don't want them to go down the wrong path. So we try to show them the right way. And we say things like, well, I just don't want you to make the same mistakes that I made. That I made. And I think that's kind of really the idea here. We get saved. We give our lives to Jesus. We're children in the faith. And the Bible gives us that, that childlike training in righteousness or what we might say is just right living as we stay in it. We believe it and we seek to live according to it. So in essence, as we read the word of God, God is training us in righteousness, instructing us, maturing us along the way. Doesn't really matter how long we've been in this. Like I heard one guy in a sermon recently say, you know, I was saved when I was 19, I'm 49, and 30 years ago, if you would ask me, I would have thought, man, I'm so much further down the line than I, that, that I, I, I would have been so much further down the line in 30 years. And I think many of us are like discouraged by that. And I'm like, oh man, but it's still a maturing faith for us. Let's not be discouraged by that. Let's get on our hands and knees and seek God. Let's walk with him. He's gonna continue to mature us and we can thankfully look back to the time when we were saved and younger, many of us, and say, well, God has brought me in a, to a different spot. Like I am a little further along, but I'm just not where I thought I would be. But if we wanna be a mature believer, we have to stay in the word. Like we just have to stay in the word. Now verse 17, one more time. 2 Timothy three seventeen: that the man of God, woman of God may be complete equipped for every good work. Here's my whole point today. The word of God completes us and equips us for every good work. So you need it, I need it, we need it every day and that will change our lives, the lives of our families and this church. It will. Look, if, if I were to tell you that every day you could have $50,000 if you took the first 30 minutes of your day and just went into the backyard and dug it up. It would be back there every day. 
I'd put it in a new place under a flag and it would be about 30 minutes or so to get it out, clean it up and fill the hole back in. If that were the case and you knew it was starting tomorrow, you would make sure tonight you had everything that you needed to go out there and get that out of the yard tonight in the morning. You'd make sure you have it all. And then you'd set your alarm. You'd get up early enough to get it before you had anything else to do or before it was gone. Now let's say that you do this for just a few weeks and then something happens and you think, man, I'm tired. I'm gonna skip in the morning. I, don't, I just don't need tomorrow's $50,000. I've got enough. I've got this. So what do you do? You sleep through the allotted time. Why? Because you don't need it. Currently, you're good. You have enough. Everything's good. Everything's taken care of. You're thinking, I've got this. And really, that's exactly why we don't read our Bibles. We believe we've got it. I mean, really, we don't think we need God. I can do today without him. I've, I have everything I need. Everything's taken care of. I'm good. I think that's even a danger of our affluent society. I've got what I need. I'm good. I, I, I can trust in myself. I don't have to trust in God. And the minute something doesn't go our way, we run back to him. We begin to try to rub him like a genie so our wish will come true or we get mad at him for letting something bad happen to us. That's, that's the truth. Each and every morning, we have something so good, so important, that it's worth way more than $50,000 to us. And many times, it just sits on the table, sits on the bookshelf, collects dust, and it's rarely ever looked at. And so, are you reading your Bible daily? He's gifted us in all these ways. Through his spirit, through his word, through the gifts that he's given us, like it's this opportunity for us to just know him, love him, and serve him. You know you have time. Uh, you, you would make time to get the $50,000 out of your backyard today. You have the time. And so as I close, would you stand with me? If, if I were to... As you stand, I want you to think about if, if I were to go back to that earlier question I asked you, do you want to grow in your spiritual life? Do you want to look more like Jesus in your life? Most of you would answer yes. Then today, will you make a commitment before God right now to just get in his word? To just draw up close to him through his word each day? Maybe start with 10 minutes. Just say, Lord, I'm gonna give you 10 minutes before I leave the house this morning. And just do that. Start with 10 minutes. See where that leads. Get your stuff all prepared tonight. Get what you need. And meet him in the morning for 10 minutes. And as I pray, just like every week, we have people who'd love to pray for you. Maybe you want to come here and just pray by yourself and just try to solidify that in your heart with God. You can do that. If you want to give your life to Jesus, man, we've got people who would love to tell you more about that. We've got people in the back of the prayer table that would be glad to help as well. But I encourage you, just respond to how God's working in your life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that a reminder that we all got today that we needed. 
God, your goodness and gracious and mercy in our lives is shown through your word. <clears throat> Many other ways as well. We just thank you for that, Lord. I pray that you would guide our hearts in this moment. Lord, maybe move things out of our lives, move things away that are causing us not to spend time with you, God. Help us, Lord. Those of us who are Christians, give us self-discipline that we talked about there. Timothy. Lord, I just pray that you work that into our lives so that we might be able to just spend time with you, know you, follow you each day. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We believe God is doing great things in our church, our community, and around the world. If you have a story of God at work in your life or questions about this message, we'd love to hear from you. Just send us an email at amen at fountaincity.church.